0: a secret podcast. My name's Donna. And my name is Coco <laughs> Jem
1: How you doing Coco? Um, I'm doing great. <laughs> oh, she <yelled> at me. <laughs> I don't know how to take that really. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Well that's good.
1: Um, yeah no I'm doing fine. Um, I'm just like really getting I'm about to actually as we're recording this. I'm actually gonna go out of town for a couple of days for mm-hmm. Autumn heart's birthday, and then come back to town for Donna's birthday yeah. <laughs> as well.
0: I'm turning 30. How
1: so, do you feel about that?
0: Um, <laughs> like my body is deteriorating.
1: Yeah. Me and Donna both got some fun medical news as of today. Yeah. Of the time of recording this, which is just. A testament to wow when you're 20 like your body's just an invincible machine and then suddenly you hit 30 and your body's like by the way by the Ooh. way
0: all of a sudden we're gonna have problems
1: all the problems
0: she wants to fight me
1: it's funny um i when i was at the dentist today and they took my blood pressure it was um mm-hmm. off the chain yeah and she's like oh my god are you on blood thinners and i was like why and she's like this is really high like wow. really high <laughs> and i was like oh I'm okay and cool. she's like she's like how basically how are you alive <laughs> and i was just like oh goodness i was like can we just redo it i was like i have a lot on my mind and i'm really anxious right now uh-huh. and i was like because my mouth hurts and i think you're gonna tell me i have mouth cancer yeah. and she's like okay i'll take it over and then so she did it again and it was like way low <laughs> and i was like well you bring you're me like, to this room let me
0: regulate my emotions really quick
1: oh, god it's so bad every time i go in to get my, get a blood pressure test, it's always like astronomical because I freak yeah. out. Yeah, It's so stupid. <laughs> yeah,
0: medical stuff isn't fun. No,
1: I know. just when you age.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I've definitely taken a more proactive approach because in my 20s too, it was like there was that window in my 20s when I was no longer covered under my parents' insurance and then it was like up to me to have medical coverage mm-hmm. and for part of it, I did. I just didn't have any fucking coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the other part of it, I had really shitty coverage through my job in Colorado, mm. um, and that didn't cover much at all. I it seemed like any time I had something go wrong while I was living in Colorado, and I went in to go like have it covered. Now it, it doesn't cover that. No. Um, so like yeah, and any issues I had there. But living in Oregon and having health insurance here, w- that's a lot better. Um I've been able to actually take like a more proactive approach to my health.
1: Than, yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, and then I also I think that just comes with getting older. I think I was also, you know, when you're drinking and partying and you know, as you've heard many times in our podcast, just projecting on other people and mm-hmm. you know, living that lifestyle that I lived especially in my 20s, um your health isn't a priority. N- neither is your mental health, honestly.
1: No, not really. Because you don't want it to be, it gets in the way.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it gets in the way of all the partying and yeah, the gets... <laughs> and the fun. And the in sadness. air quotes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's
1: so bad. I yeah. I have been recognizing too a lot about like my health and like my invincibility invincibility. Like, because my husband is twenty eight, I think, um, or somewhere around there. Um, still, you know, in that realm of. Like, but I know he has health problems, like mm-hmm. he's gonna hit thirty and he's gonna fall apart harder than me and Donna all day long. <laughs> yeah.
0: I I've been like moderately healthy in the fact that I try to be active mm-hmm. in, in some ways, but I also, you know, I know that I need to get a better routine down, routine down, and I know that I need to like focus more on my health. Um, and I mm-hmm. think going into my 30s, I want to do more of that. I want to go on more hikes. Mm-hmm. I want to. Get some sort of routine down. I want to do yoga. I want to improve my flexibility. All of that stuff. Yeah,
1: I do too. I want to improve my flexibility. And I also want to like go on Pokemon Go walks. I used yeah. to do that all the time. And then I just stopped.
0: Yeah, I did too. I'm like stalled at level 32. <laughs> I'm just like going to stay there. Level t- 32 or 33 or something like that. Oh I don't
1: know. Oh my gosh, that's so funny.
0: Maybe I'm at 35. I don't even know. I don't check the app enough anymore. So like, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, Donna, what are you wearing this evening?
0: Well, I'm dressed as a beautiful agate because I'm going rock hounding this weekend for my 30th birthday. So I'm kind of um, sparkly, yet also a little bit opaque and orange. And yeah, I'm an F slur.
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow.
0: That's dressed as an agate (laughs) because I don't think I can say that on here. (laughs)
1: I am dressed, um, I've been really into Little Mix lately for no reason, yeah. so I'm dressed like Jessie Nelson before she left um, in the Sweet Melodies video, wearing right? that black and white cute bodysuit thing.
0: Me me <laughs> me made me believe it was real love. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> we were talking about Little Mix a little bit before we recorded, and also, you know, in relation to me turning 30 again. Uh, I'm the same age. <laughs> I was born in the same year as Jade Thirlwall from Little Mix.
1: so I love all of them so much. They are so insanely talented. Yeah. Like, being able to, like, I know they lip-sing like a mother when they're dancing, but, like, when they hit their high notes, oh, from there, I'm like, oh, so my good. God. It's they're so good. talented. They're so, I really I wish them. that Jesse would ac- recognize that she needs to rejoin that girl group yeah. with all those mental health issues that it brought her and get a better therapist while she's there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and also just, like, you know, her little solo venture kind of flopped, so.
1: I Well, and then, like, I don't feel like Little Mix was actually ever saying anything negative, but the tabloids were trying to make Little Mix say things about, against Jussie Nelson. I don't think that was actually happening.
0: Yeah, a lot of people also with the blackfishing allegations of, I mean, it— it kind of was basically i mean it
1: was but yeah. i was never i always like and the thing is i think i found out that jesse nelson i think she is white she is yeah, yeah. Like so i because i thought she was like i thought she was like latina all day long mm-hmm. and i don't think she is no um and like so she's a ginger She. she's a ginger
0: yeah i'm pretty sure she has red hair i'm pretty sure
1: wow so, yeah Yeah, she's, okay, never mind. She was blackfishing real hard. Yeah. (laughs) I thought she was just, like, I thought she just had, like, a little bit more, like, darker skin because she's, like, Hispanic and, like, she just, like, she tans. Like, that's what I thought.
0: I mean, I I don't know. She's had red hair. I I guess I don't know if it's natural, but I know that she is white. Yes. Um,
1: Well, and then the thing is, like, so the thing is when, and I have to talk about this because we were talking about mental health earlier, too. Yeah. The thing about – I really respect Jesse Nelson's journey in the sense of, like, wanting to find better mental health. I, yeah. I That obviously – sorry, finding a passion that would fit with her mental health journey. There we go. Yeah. And I think – and she started doing her solo career, and then she had aspirations to do pretty much every single thing she's done as little with Little Mix, but as a solo artist. Yeah. And I think that that's admirable. Um, And then also, like, I did see the interview where she – where they – when she said who are your best friends and like she didn't name any other girls from the group so um that was kind of like problematic and awkward yeah. and and like and they all wished her well of course and they're all pregnant and, like little mix mm-hmm. just had babies and like and and they made great music while they were pregnant too by the way yeah um little mix a part of the podcast but the thing is <laughs> I, the thing is i think that really killed me about it is um I know that Jessie had body issues. She was the biggest girl in the group. Even when she was at her thinnest, she was still the biggest girl in the group. Uh-huh. And because just of her body, the way it shaped, it's shaped, like it just made her look broader, right? Uh-huh. And that was one of the things she talked about as being a a reason why she left the group. And that's heartbreaking and it sucks. But what was also cool about it is like being, watching a person on stage dancing next to people who are a lot thinner, like having their, it's like watching like Lizzo to a degree where Mm -hmm. you're like seeing somebody on stage being represented that, um, you know, is just beautiful specifically and not comparatively. Like comparatively, like she's the biggest girl on stage. But singularly, like, she's gorgeous and beautiful Mm -hmm. and a talented dancer. And seeing somebody on stage like that was just awesome. Yeah. But yeah. I do respect her journey about trying to get out and trying to get better and healthy. But that sucks that her solo album—it is not her solo career—is not doing well yet. It's
0: not, and I—I I don't think that it just had a great like jumping-off point with the controversy that she yeah. had with it. And she had Nicki Minaj come and defend her and bring her up on Alive live and all that stuff.
1: But Nick, I feel like Nicki made it more problematic. She now.
0: did, she did, yeah, because no one agreed with her.
1: Yeah, so. like, and she was just like Jesse's, just like ah, oh god, this is gonna yeah. ruin my career. <laughs> yeah, um so getting to something more serious yeah (laughs) um so this episode today uh we wanted to talk about current events Mm -hmm. and what's happening in florida and what's happening in texas
0: yeah because this is a queer podcast we also want to put heavy focus on the current events that are happening as far as queer struggles and issues Mm -hmm. in the united states and currently there's a lot going on. So I'll start off by talking about what's going on in Texas. So the governor, Greg Abbott, basically put out a letter that had an order for basically social workers and uh, people in the Department of Children and Family Services in Texas to um, prosecute or to basically take in parents and like charge them with child abuse if they mm-hmm. were um going towards affirming their child's gender. Um, so it was a very anti-trans um, letter that was put out. And basically the position that these social workers were put in, the actually the head of uh, Child and Family Services resigned because their orders were to, without any kind of discrimination to the situation, to prosecute the parents as being as abusing their children. So there was no gray area, basically, with this. Like, it would be considered child abuse if you were affirming your gender, your child's uh, gender, um, as something opposite from the sex that they were born.
1: So let's unpack some of the phrases here for some of our listeners, because we've, as we started to grow, oh. um, I noticed that we're getting a lot more listeners from around the country, or sorry, from around the world. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk a little bit more about what affirming, raising your child, affirming their gender. Let's talk mm-hmm. about what that actually means.
0: Yeah. So. Basically, you know, if their kid if their kid is wanting to transition or feels like they are born in the wrong body, experiences that dysphoria, um, and the parent supports their kid in that transition, that's affirming their yeah. gender identity.
1: And um, more um, a more a a better example when they're really young is. Uh, the clothes that they wear, yeah, like when you, um, like the classic story of the little boy who wanted to wear the Frozen outfit, mm-hmm. the Frozen dress, uh, Elsa's dress from Frozen, mm-hmm. and like, and people were like, oh, "That's that's terrible! Like, why are you doing that?" Blah 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 mm-hmm. blah. Like buying, uh, this person buying their kid this dress is affirming mm-hmm. their gender, but even in that capacity, it doesn't mean their kid is even transitioning. Yeah, like there is a lot of when you affirm somebody's gender, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to transition. It doesn't mean that they're not non-binary, like exploring what it means to be non-binary without knowing what those Mm -hmm. terms mean. And of... um... Because when you affirm your kid's gender, it actually makes them open up to you more. Yeah. It helps with their mental health. Yeah. Um, It helps with um, communications that will come in teenage years. Mm -hmm. Um, It also makes them to where they don't lie to you because they feel supported by you. Yeah. And this
0: would also strictly prohibit any kind of adolescents from seeking hormone therapy as well. Yes. And that, in a lot of ways, is something that messes with their dysphoria. It really can, like mess with your mental health if you're not able to get the like type of um treatment that you want to help with your transition right. um and so this is in a lot of ways problematic um there's been a lot of support from legislators for this as well so this isn't just something on the p- on part of the governor um obviously it you know texas is very conservative so there's many been a, parts of it are yes, yes many parts um not, a, not the good old little blue Austin, Austin. but, <laughs> um, and I, you know, there was, there was hope that te- Texas would actually turn blue in the last election. There was actually hope behind that, um, because the demographics had shifted so much, but, um, yeah, we have to consider that there is like, a lot of people say with situations like this, they're like, well, you know, like just move to another state if you don't like the the situations there, the conditions there. And it's like, that's easier said than done. It is. And there are people who have families there who have been, who have lived there for a long time and are established in that state. And Mm -hmm. to honestly, such an infringement on like someone's liberties and especially kids. Like the real abuse is the shit that these legislators are putting out there. Yeah. You know, these fascists that are thinking that they need to control everything that these kids do and and what these parents do.
1: Yes. And, um, it was What's really heartbreaking about this is that I do remember as a kid, I wasn't really aware of what was happening in the news. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really aware of, um, you know, if something like this happened when we were kids, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have heard about it because I wasn't really up on those things. But kids nowadays and um, do tend to, and I don't mean like kids that young, but like have social media, they have smartphones, they have access mm-hmm. to knowledge more so than I would have had access to when I was a kid. And what's really sucky about this is that... Um, Kids aren't stupid in certain mm-hmm. capacities. Like, they know that something's wrong, right? And then, like, what also bothers me about this is, like, they're police, like Donna said, like, they're policing how people raise their children, mm-hmm. which is problematic. Yeah. Um, especially when it's not hurting the kid. And they're trying to make it seem like they're hurting their kids. Yeah. Um, literally. And
0: also making it to where there's no nuance to the issue either. Yeah,
1: not even a little. And that's, and the thing is, like, every parent, like, I should say this on this podcast every parent knows that their could their kid could potentially grow out of the feelings of wanting to explore their gender identity Mm -hmm. and not even grow out a better word would be um they will they might settle on cisgender after exploring their gender identity Mm -hmm. they be like oh yeah like or maybe i'm just like a little bit non-binary yeah or something like that or they might be like oh yeah i want to transition and like and, like, giving the kids the freedom to be able to do that makes them healthier. Yeah. Ugh, it just kills me because, like, it it starts a conversation that's really problematic in another sense, too. Is that when you have the government too, too involved in how you raise your children, like, it, it like, kills free thinking. Yeah. It fully kills free thinking.
0: Oh, very much so. And there's so many documented cases of kids not being able to transition or or not having supporting or affirming parents and unfortunately taking their own lives and this was all too much of a case especially back before things like marriage equality had passed and we had made a lot of progress as a community um and so i want people to remember those cases because they you know so many of them have occurred and it is incredibly sad um to where these kids will express that they are wanting to transition and express their authentic selves and their parents bury them as the opposite gender of what they wanted to be um, yep. and still refuse to refer to them by their pronouns and... Um,
1: and being a kid is hard enough already without the support of your teachers, your parents, and the administration, and yeah. whatever. Like, you're already bullied because you're different. Yes. And yes... The world is actually getting a little bit better when it comes to schools like Mm -hmm. they're not as problematic in the sense of kids to other kids Mm -hmm. when it comes to things like sexual orientation. However, um, however, kids are still bullied for whatever reason. You wore weird socks, your hair looked weird one day. We all remember what it was like being a kid. You got teased for anything. And then for serious issues, they created lifelong traumas that most of us are still unpacking with our therapists. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually a great example of this, I wrote about this online, um, recently, uh so the proud family has a reboot that they've released um the proud family is a cartoon show about a black family that's kind of they're kind of well off mostly Mm -hmm. um and like the characters are i i I will say stereotypically black but what i mean by stereotypically is they actually seem like real black people Mm -hmm. like even though they do play into some of like the verbiage and whatever but kids actually say that stuff so it's fine So, I'm watching the reboot, and I just finished watching the last episode of, like, the reboot, which is, I think it's, like, episode four. It's called Fathers Mm -hmm. or something like that. And the episode is about Penny's new friends at school that she's finally friends with. It turns out that they have gay dads. Mm -hmm. And uh penny because the the goal of the proud family is that penny is just always raised right yeah the thing that penny does is because she's always raised right yeah the decision she's makes is because she has good parents it's about trying to like the proud family is like bringing the black family back to that dynamic mm-hmm. and so um to get to the point a little faster what happens is um oscar penny's dad is not okay with that their neighbors um Are gay and have children. Like he's mm-hmm. just not okay with that. Like, and they actually they did this thing in Cartoon World where it shattered his worldview. Mm-hmm. So every time he sees the dads together, his like eyes break, and mm-hmm. so he can't like see clearly because it's shat. It's literally mm-hmm. shattering. I love that they did that imagery because like as an adult, I was like, oh, that's really good, mm-hmm. really good. Because what happens towards the end of the episode is like Penny's just like hanging out and like. Um, cuz and also the parent the gay dads are an interracial couple which is also mm. super cool. Mm-hmm. There's actually an on-screen kiss. Blew my mind with a cartoon Damn. show. Like yeah, I was like yeah, they kiss at the end of the episode uh, the dads do and that was awesome and and I remember there's like they're just dancing at the dad's house later and Oscar's like watching his daughter like not be bothered by the situation. Is incredibly accepting of it and he starts to cry. Um, which is actually kills his shattered eyes yeah about how he even made a comment the the subtlest intersectional comment that said cuz the the dad that he was arguing with was black mm-hmm. and he was like we're still brothers and we got to like you know keep fighting and fight for what's happening in this room here you know like and moving forward and it was like the subtlest intersectional like that your love is beautiful, but we still are brothers in the sense of our race, and mm-hmm. like I should be aware of that and not make life harder for you. It was the most iconic cartoon episode I think I've ever seen in my life. I almost I started crying <laughs> like it was so bad because I would I would have loved to have that stuff. Yeah, and when I was a kid trying to discover who I was, and and the gay characters are not beautiful. they're Yeah, they just look like normal people, and like and that's kind of what this like that's what this is about, like. I was denied this crying as a thirty-five-year-old man later in life because I was denied this. Like that was traumatic for me to see something so happy and so open and so denying people the ability to raise your children with that openness yeah. is so wrong.
0: It is so wrong. And as you alluded to earlier, yeah, they the order that Abbott put out there was for teachers to report parents yeah. and report transgender kid and like. It just it's like it's literal Nazis, you know. Like it's literal Nazis. Like it's asking to re- like report ch- families. It, it's beyond to me. And so luckily, not everyone in Texas feels that way. And there was a district court judge uh, that ruled this unconstitutional. So there will be a trial regarding these these orders uh, in July. But yeah, that's that's basically what's happened with it. And
1: I think. It, goodness yeah my my god i can't and I, I know that there. um one of there was an article and i i don't have the number sorry listeners but there was an article came out that said there's a lot of like anti-lgbt like like movements in effect right, right now. now yeah um that some haven't gotten to the courts some haven't been brought to the floor like yet but they're like there have been stirrings from like grassroots anti-lgbt organizations Mm -hmm. that are trying to push these narratives because they just they don't want this accepting nature of and it's a lot of it has to do with trans folks yeah they lump lgbtq in there even though lgbt folks like we band together but LGBT folks know the difference between sexual orientation and gender identity. Yeah. But they lump it all together to, like, have a better argument against the trans community. And the trans community isn't as large as the full rainbow of LGBT. And
0: they, you know, the trans community gets their own discrimination within the community, too. We know that the trans community definitely has it the hardest when it comes to acceptance Mm -hmm. and people really, you know, supporting policies that affirm them.
1: And it really sucks because as um, – I mean, and they face the discrimination on levels as simpli- simplistic as, like, a, a gay boy won't date a trans man kind of discrimination. The kind most
0: of dangerous um, – it's most dangerous to be a trans woman of color in this country.
1: It is. And and that has not changed. It's not changed. In the years. There's um,
0: a death every month, at least. And, you know?
1: and the emphasis that we put on that small trigger warning, the emphasis that we put on that um, – is not working, it's not saving their lives. No. Like, I see trans women of color be- being treated so much less than than white trans women across the board. Yeah. And that's disgusting to me. And, of course, it's disgusting to all of you, but the ways that we can help with that specific issue is, well, one, like the thing, being able to start early teaching your kids about transgender individuals, that helps like teaching people about gender identity and what that means, that also helps. But for today, for those of us who are grown, we've learned as much as we feel like we need to know is that it does take communities outside of the one that's being hurt to be able to protect those communities from the negativities that are happening. Like one of my drag kids is like a trans woman of color. Mm -hmm. Like my goodness. Like, and actually in all of my drag kids, most of my drag kids are all non-gender uh, non-conforming in some capacity. Yeah. yeah. So, even myself. So I, I get it, and we need to do Me better. Too. We need to do better. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, we do.
1: Um, Donna, I forgot to ask. Uh, how are you doing this evening?
0: Well, I will let you know after this brief break.
1: It's a podcast Check it out. with Coco and Donna. Tell the
0: podcast. Check it out. Tune into what they tell you podcast. Check it out with Coco and Donna. Tell a podcast. Check it out. I am actually feeling fairly hopeful because the next subject that we're going to talk about um, has a lot of Gen Zers like really galvanized against it and making a difference and walking out of their schools, actually, for yeah this controversy. So I want you to go into it yeah, a little so bit we're, for us. We're
1: going to be talking about the Don't Say Gay Bill um, that I believe was actually signed into law at this point mm-hmm. in Florida. I, I do know that the last update I read is it went to the governor's desk to be signed. Be signed. yeah. Um, and he was in full support of it, and mm-hmm. so I'm pretty sure it's going to be signed. Um, and it's pretty much about um, the subjects that were allowed to talk about and i think it i think it was k through 3 mm-hmm. um and like and it's and it specifically is really targeting the trans community to not talk about like uh transness mm-hmm. um and like he kept saying or- transgenderism which <sighs> is like <laughs> Like, ah, oh gosh, that. Yeah, or same-sex
0: parents too. Or
1: same-sex parents, mm-hmm. yeah. Same, oh yeah, same-sex parents and whatever. So like, pretty much denying the existence of these people.
0: Yeah, when there are kids who have same-sex parents going to these schools.
1: Yeah, because they don't want they don't want parents. Um, it's almost like the same thing. They don't want to have to necessarily have conversations with kids about subjects that they're ill prepared for. And what kills me about this is like not having these subjects being taught in school. Um, Or these subjects even being brought up in school makes it to once again you're putting kids into a position that like their identities are being denied which by the way the interview i was watching watching with the governor kept talking about um he kept conflating the the word sexual with sexual orientation and sexuality he conflated all of that idea in front of this group of people and that was also infuriating because like like when you hear kids being sexual, every single person feels disgusted.
0: Sexualizing,
1: sexualizing the subject. Yes, making it, they conflating those topics, so it makes it to where like, oh wait, we're talking about kids having sex. That's what it sounded like. we were talking about yeah. kids having sex when we were talking about sexual orientation and sexual um and sexual orientation. Yeah, and like, and like the, and gender identity. And what was bothering me about all of that is that it completely threw the argument out of the window. They're like, this is inappropriate. Why would we talk about these things? Or why do we want to talk about two dudes fucking? It's like, no, we want to talk about the fact that this kid has two dads, Mm -hmm. like what we talked about, like with the Proud family, like this and like not being able to talk about that when that's your home life, like there's something wrong with it. Like that creates an inherent distrust of the system and yourself and everything. It's almost like a, a good example of this is like, when I first learned about slavery, in, like, third or fourth grade, um, or fifth, um, it made me feel like I was wrong. Yeah. Like, in my existence, like, mm. in my literal existence. Um, like, it's, like, talking about how when you find out, because I was, um, my parents got divorced when I was two, finding out that other kids that had dads that lived in the home. Yeah. And, like, and it, it's jarring to know that, like, you can't speak about these issues or it's wrong or you can't be taught about these issues, and mm-hmm. that's just disgusting and this one actually made it through and that's what that's why they call it don't say gay it's not because there's anywhere in there that says you can't um, say the word gay Uh that's what Republicans and conservatives are trying to say what they're talking about is like the concepts and the ideas and sexual orientation and gender identity it's like you're not allowed to teach these things or practice these things which means it's like you can't talk about it. So was
0: it only restricted to those grades because there's high schoolers that are currently walking out?
1: Yeah, I believe the I, I do believe it's actually only K through three, but it galvanized everybody. Obviously. Yeah, though, there are strings in the bill that says about age appropriate and developmental Appropriate for so that's why more kids I think are being galvanized in high school ages as well because it has the potential to affect them through 12th grade,
0: and it's not clearly defined in the bill. Yeah, it's like they're purposely leaving it vague to open the door for further discrimination and further like censoring of gay figures in history and things that would. Potentially benefit students. It's in a public it's like landscape. The same
1: concept, not to necessarily conflate these two issues, but like mm-hmm. it's like critical race theory mm-hmm. in schools as well. Like it's the ex- actually not the exact same because we know like you can't hide black people. We know they exist. You can't hide people of color. They know mm-hmm. they exist, and there are and actually POC are technically a part of history. It's just not critically thought about. What yeah. this is doing is almost like deny denying the existence. existence. Yeah, and like because you can hide um you can hide sexual orientation at a very early age yeah um but the thing is like that god wouldn't you wouldn't it suck to be like lesbian parents going to like parent teacher conferences
0: yeah and being like oh apparently apparently my partner and i don't exist (laughs) (laughs) you know this is so
1: great don't let the kids see us you know like i god and oh gosh that is that is problematic I so much so and granted you know like
0: you and i weren't really taught anything about queer historical figures oh, absolutely not no and there was never an emphasis <laughs> never so like you know we didn't learn until later that a lot of historical figures actually had like tendencies towards queer identity
1: so many historical mm-hmm. figures like alexander the great for instance abraham lincoln yeah just it it's so what bothers me about that entire era um, of, like, these historical figures and leaders and things like that who mm-hmm. did kind of dip their toe into that market, and they didn't even have those words. I heard a phrase recently, actually, when I moved to Portland, that's um, the I- older people who didn't ever was come across the term t- trans when they uh-huh. were younger talk about how they would be trans. Yeah, And some, like, obviously still will transition at 50 or 60
0: later in life.
1: But there are a lot of people out there because those concepts didn't exist. So Mm -hmm. they stayed in a body that didn't necessarily feel like their own, Mm -hmm. not because of financial means or anything like that, but almost because of education. Yeah. Like literally what we're talking about education. Yeah. Like these concepts and ideas are like, so having a person live an entire full life and probably even a happy life. Yeah. Like to a degree. Not being able to explore the side of themselves that was always a part of themselves. They just didn't even know what it was. They didn't know what it was.
0: Because they w- didn't have the exposure. Yeah. Any. Yeah. yeah. And that's what this is doing. It's limiting the exposure of...
1: Because they know... Because they know... Actually, because that's the bottom line behind mm-hmm. it, too. As, as nasty as this sounds. Like, when you expose people to different walks of life... Um, it's something I've said on this podcast before... Um, I think the best way to change somebody's mind is exposure. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have a friend who's gay, you will more than likely always vote in favor of gay. Yeah. Like, it's just Because you
0: have people in your life that you care about that you don't want to see hurt. Yeah. If you have empathy, and... <laughs> <laughs> Which we know some of y'all out there don't. Yeah. <laughs> if you have, like, a lot of empathy for the struggle, like, queer struggles... Um, I also think that this is just kind of along the lines of the Anita Bryant witch hunts that happened in like the oh, 19 yeah. you know 70s all of that shit like it's along those lines of like gays are trying to recruit kids you know the whole that it's like this nasty you know like sort of like dark um, agenda that we have to, to like turn turn the kids gay and and worship the devil you know like it's always this like Far right mentality that we are out to
1: recruit, and you know what's what's interesting about it is like even somebody another historical figure who's still alive today, mm-hmm. Angela Davis, for instance. Yeah, like I think that if this if like queerness could be accepted and not even not taught. Taught is a weird word. Um, if it can be. um just a part of a conversation part of the conversation of being a kid yeah like you know mommy and daddy or daddy and daddy or mommy, yeah. and mommy. um like stuff like that like even those basic concepts being kids just... can understand those basic co- concepts but even like i was thinking about with angela davis how later in life she did mostly come out as queer yeah but never really did a public statement about it mm-hmm. and like because there's still a lot of shame for black women to you know have another label that you know, makes them incredibly more marginalized, yeah, and like yeah, oh, and then to my previous statement, i do I don't actually know what non binary individuals call themselves to their kids in a married relationship, so I would have added that, I just don't know what it is, so if anybody wants to write me in the comments at a demo of secret podcast dot com partners part- probably partners, but like when kids to the parents, yeah. Yeah, I didn't ever think about it. I can probably Google it myself, but let's start a dialogue. Yeah, educate us.
0: That's that is something that's I, because I'm not a parent, but I am non-binary, so I don't <laughs> I don't really know what I would want. My I mean, yeah, what would you want? Mod, mixed between mom and dad. <laughs> I don't know. I hate that
1: so much. I do. And too. I'm denying that identity <laughs> for you. <laughs> so gonna know. be like, I go by mod. I mean, <laughs> It's like no, you don't. I don't Dumb. know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm in
0: the no. No. It'd be no. Damn. It'd no. be damn.
1: But <laughs> that's just as bad. Dumb damn, and mod.
0: I don't. I don't know what I would want my kids to call me. Honestly, or mad. Mad. Because <laughs> I'm always mad. I'm always mad. I'm always frustrated. I'm always mad. Do your laundry. Damn it.
1: I don't even know what I would want to be called. It's funny as a, because I'm by gender but I live in the binaries and so like Mm -hmm. obviously dad is fine for me but obviously my husband is cisgender and um I've been wondering about what to be called and I think it's going to be really problematic because I think I I don't want papa I hate that I and and that's not against any gay men who do that I don't want it in my life I don't mean even if Adam likes being called papa no That's, that's not that's not happening for our children I really want our names to be dad and daddy I'm, yeah, like that's what I want. Yeah. Um, and and then also like and then, but I want to be able to, for us to be able to get. I want um inflection um remembrance too mm-hmm. to where even if they if our kid starts calling us both daddy, then I want to be able to have the inflection recognition to know which dad that they're speaking to. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's what I've, I've been thinking a lot about this because we're thinking about having children in a few years and like so. I that is the names that I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's neat. Yeah.
0: I, yeah, I have no idea. I don't even know down the line if kids are, like, something I want. Um, I love being an uncle. That's great because I don't have the responsibilities. And that's also, I just think, like, the youth in me still speaking. I don't know if, like, later down the line, if I'm older, if I want to, like, have a family. But I would hope that, like, the kids that I have are able to be in a world where they can... At least have their like parents feel like they are like recognized while they're in school, you know, Um, and that we matter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This kind of took a tangent, but like actually not really, Mm -hmm. because if if we don't know and we're um, obviously we're queer people. Yeah. And we don't even know what these labels are for non-binary parents from their kids to them. Then that's absolutely not going to be in those schools either. Yeah, like and that kind of sucks. Because... I think
0: also it, it is just kind of whatever fits, whatever the kid chooses, and you know if it sticks, it sticks. Like <laughs> maybe maybe there's not a whole lot of thought put into the into these labels.
1: I was thinking I was watching one of my uh, I was on non-binary teacher TikTok. Uh huh. Um, and one of the questions actually was, um, "What do you like to be called?" Yeah. Uh, is it Mix? Cuz you know Mix is commonly used. Uh-huh. Um, and they were like, uh, no, I go by Captain." Captain? <laughs> yeah. I'm Captain last name. I'm like, <laughs> "All right." I was like, "That is I love that." I was like, "That is that is fantastic."
0: I'm Comrade. <laughs> Cuz I'm a I'm a leftist.
1: I honestly think Comrade Donna. I think all teachers should actually go by Captain. We should yeah. we should turn it into a gender. Non-specific title, and every teacher is captain.
0: <laughs> I, I love that. I, I love that. Oh, um, so, okay, so something actually interesting, since we are talking about the Don't Say Gay Bill, you mentioned in the first half of the episode mm-hmm. that the Proud Family, which is on Disney Plus and produced by Disney, yes, um, has this queer representation, finally, and I think that's awesome, um, especially for that show. Um, but... Disney has donated a lot of money to senators that support this Don't Say Gay bill. And um, there's been a lot of call-outs on social media against Disney because of this, including there was a call-out actually from one of the Pixar um, animators and producers that said that Disney constantly cut... Any sort of like gay subject matter or queer subject matter from films when it was put in and basically like hollowed out these beautiful, vibrant, queer characters to a shell of what they were supposed to be. Ooh. So with that in mind, what is your opinion, I guess, on that?
1: Well, so the thing is, so this is where this gets muddy. Disney's such a large company. Yeah. So as of eight days ago, an NPR NPR article says after protests, Disney CEO speaks out against Florida's "Don't Say Gay" bill. That doesn't mean Donna's so bright in that point though. Disney donated to these um, politicians mm-hmm. who were in favor of this, yeah. right? So coming out against it at this stage of the game isn't necessarily helpful because it's been what we believe to be signed into law. Yes, so that is incredibly problematic. I think that Disney so. This is what I think about the subject of performative um, responses and Rainbow activism. Rainbow activism. Or
0: rainbow capitalism. Rainbow capitalism as yep. well.
1: Oh, actually, that's a yeah. so much better word. Rainbow capitalism. Is that Disney... So I worked for Disney World over a decade ago. And I can tell you right now, everybody at Disney World is queer or queer adjacent that works yep. at Disney World. And, like, those people... sorry so staffers at disney were staging walkouts so that that did happen yeah like many people who worked for disney were doing walkouts because they're like oh no we're not going to work for a company that did this like because that's denying our identity yeah and so disney i do think is responding to consequences i don't think they're playing into rainbow capitalists i think they're responding to their own actions yeah like you did this this is what happened like most of your employees are queer as hell mm-hmm. and like I honestly, I honestly don't know how the proud family got the green light i know that kyla pratt is the executive producer on the show mm-hmm. like i think she's the one who actually brought it back yeah um, and with the all the original voice actors as much as she could and like i don't know how like every episode like the very first episode penny's best friend is gay like the secondary episode or third episode like penny becomes an influencer against Somebody, a, a person called Makeup Boy, yeah. who who is queer coded as hell, yeah. And so, I think I'm just disgusted overall, yeah. Because Disney oftentimes will leave it's in like their employees are the casualties, yeah. Like that's what makes me so disgusted by it, yeah. and like they like did. So this kind of plays into the controversy online that's going on right now about um, when maybe it is performative or, or rainbow capitalism is that there is that new disney pixar movie that came out about red pandas mm-hmm. and um and i think it's supposed to be like a code for womanhood and like periods and all this other stuff and there's not a lot of white people in the movie per se and like people are getting really pissed because disney is playing into the audience disney is playing to what we asked for most of us asked for we wanted queerness we wanted diverse stories we wanted there we go. We wanted diverse stories with characters that looked like real people. Yes. And um, and so they played into that to get our money. And it worked for the most part. Like, I mean, they didn't go hard enough in Frozen. Like, they knew that if they would have made that character... Queer. Get queer. Like, people would have just lost their crap. And they, like, even when they tried to, like, have a subtleness of leaving Elsa being a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Like they, I can tell they pulled back from it. Oh yeah. like They did. Cause they didn't want to lose all of that money. Yeah. Like if you really, if Disney wanted to really put their money where their mouth is and yes, they're kind of doing it with the proud family. Like I, they really should be pushing doubling down. They should double down honestly and do better. And yeah. I, by the way, I, I I don't mean to keep saying that because I actually hate when people say do better. I think it's awful. Because it's it doesn't mean... Does it Does like, not
0: remind you of certain performative activists?
1: It actually just reminds me of performative activism as a whole. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. to do better. And then it's yeah. like, leave it to people to still be hurt and personalized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that Disney has a lot of work to do. And, like, donating money to LGBTQ-centered organizations doesn't mean anything. But honestly, I think Disney owes us an apology. Yeah. Like, more so than anything else. And it sounds like... I haven't fully gone through the NPR article where the CEO said those things. Um, it said, the company is reassessing their approach to advocacy, including political givings in Florida and beyond. Yeah. Um, uh, Disney CEO called Ron DeSantis, which is the governor of Florida, Wednesday morning... Uh, to express their disappointment and concern that if the legislation becomes law, it could be used to unfairly target gay, lesbian, non-binary, and transgender kids and families. Yes. So, but it seems like it was a day too late.
0: Yeah, because it had already passed. It had
1: already passed on the Tuesday.
0: I think this will likely get ruled unconstitutional by a circuit judge. Um At least that's my hope. It is very, it's quite unconstitutional.
1: Uh, This, I think, we should add this part in here too. So, like the uh, Disney CEO also announced that Disney has signed the Human Rights Campaign statement opposing similar legislative efforts, and the CEO is of the company will pledge five million dollars to organizations working to protect LGBTQ plus rights, including the Human Rights Campaign. Um, But the HRC now says it won't take those funds. (laughs) <laughs> That's the most HRC move I've heard. No, thank you. No, thank you. We're, we're good. good.
0: <laughs> we're good. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think the best way to kind of like sum up the controversy with this bill is the fact that we are seeing an immense amount of backlash. And I I love that we're seeing it from the younger generation. Yeah. Um, I don't know if our generation ever would have had the gusto to completely walk out of class because uh, they never would have because it was the thing is like especially where i'm from lgbt people were so stigmatized that no one would have stood up for us including our own damn selves back then no i feel like the gen zers are far more queer and far more bright vibrant what is it one in every three gen zers identify as queer now yeah um so i think we're seeing the tides change only because of this generational turnover and we'll continue to see people be more accepting but it's going to take us some time just like i think most changes in our society are going to take us some real time and it's going to take time for a lot of these people who should not be making laws to be weeded out of our system
1: it reminds me that yeah i agree with you on that and to make it a little bit lighter as we get closer to the end of our episode it reminds me of a tiktok that i watched recently yeah um of this queer woman who said, "This straight cisgender um white man hit on me today, and I just I want to know, know what I'm, I'm doing wrong <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh God,' <laughs> it's like
1: dang yeah. oh. <laughs> And somebody in the comments was like, She's like, Girl, me too, I don't understand. She's like, I can't put on any more rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. And and it just but it's true though, like when we were growing up we just didn't have I have We have glee. We had glee.
0: And that that turned out to be really problematic <laughs> as we look on it with a closer. Yeah, microscope. the lens of the queer yep.
1: characters in that show were not great um yeah <laughs> and buffy buffy was okay buffy was buffy was good but will and grace was mostly fine yeah <laughs> but that was kind of more for adults not kids
0: but the kill your gaze trope in buffy see that's another bad part of
1: it yeah so i'm remembering a moment with my dad about uh, toxic masculinity and i think i've talked about it previously but now that we have new fo- followers i just want to just add this small story to the end here when i was a young kid um I used to, I do remember it was probably like five episodes ago. I, when I was a young kid, I used to hold my hands in front of me and because it was a safety net, that's how I stood. It was that I always stood that way. It always made me feel safe just standing with my hands. I used to just have my left hand on my right wrist. Hmm. That's just how I stood. Mm-hmm. That's how I always stood everywhere. Um, and I remember my dad was like over one day and like, he just, uh, he was yelling at me about the, cause my voice was really high as a kid. And he was yelling at me about that. And then he smacked my hands apart and said, he's like, men don't stand like that. And I was like, what's wrong with standing like that? He's like, you stand with your hands at your sides or you stand with your hands behind you, but you don't stand with your hands being crossed in front of you. Like that's for girls. And I was so, this is why this is important too, to the don't say gay bill. I was so confused. Because in no media, because remember, we're all conditioned by mm-hmm. media, all cartoons, everything. In no media anywhere did anyone ever hold their hands the way I was, like holding their wrists the way that I was. Yeah. Like it wasn't flamboyant. I was just standing. That's how I stood. And so for my dad to like shatter yeah. my worldview in that moment was like really alarming. And how angry he was, because my dad's an angry person. Yeah. How angry he was in that moment because like, I didn't want to be a girl because girls got made fun of when I was a kid, of course. And like, and I didn't feel like I was a sissy even though my voice was high. And, and that moment just made me feel like my whole worldview just came toppling down.
0: I can relate so much to that because like yourself, I also had a high voice when I was younger and I always walked on my toes. And that was something that my family would constantly critique in me was that I walked on my toes and I looked like a sissy like mm-hmm. my mom even had a, like a really awful nickname for me when I would walk on my toes and yeah it just there's like little mannerisms that I think queer kids pick up and we don't even know where we get them from
1: mm-hmm.
0: and our parents as soon as they see any bit of it will try to like almost like beat it out of us there you go
1: see any bit of it like yeah. cause I don't actually I've never seen a queer person. Like, or a gay cartoon show from, or anything like that, ever mm-hmm. stay in the way that I was standing. Yeah. And, like, in, inherently walking your tippy toes isn't specifically gay. Yeah. Like, but it's too close. It's, it's too, too close. close. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, too,
0: too effeminate. Too, too
1: effeminate. Yeah. It just, the way I was standing looked effeminate, even though it's not inherently effeminate.
0: But I think that's also, I mean, there's a lot of research that shows that, you know, um, queer people have brains more closely associated with the opposite sex than with their the sex that they're born and i don't know i think that there is some like biological justification for it and maybe this is a good way to kind of wrap things up just by like knowing that there is this out there like this is not these are not traits that people can change they're traits that come naturally to kids and expressions that come naturally to kids and so by limiting the way that they can be seen and even recognized in society, it is so incredibly damaging for yeah. them. We know how important representation is. Yeah. And we know that, you know, bills like this are, are something that we need to do everything we can to fight against.
1: Yeah. And don't let anybody ever conflate the language about what's actually happening here. Like, sexual orientation isn't inherently wrong to even talk about. No. Like, you might mourn the fact that your kid is queer even though you shouldn't. But it's not inherently wrong to yeah. like have these discussions and make people feel safe in their own skin, so we don't continue having this problem of suicide. Yeah. So and bullying and depression and all these other things. Yeah. So in a positive note, just lift up people. Understand what's happening here. Be sad and talk to your friends. Speak to your therapist about it. But yes. we need to change that bill we need to we need to change that law
0: we need to change any laws like this it's we're we're too far ahead for this you know what and we it's fought for too it, long right. we fought for too long we need to fight for you know we need to keep defending what we have and we also need to fight to further equality and make it to where people can live in a more just society and i think we're slowly getting there but it's going to take some time and i think it may be you know to where you and I may be retiring at that age when things are really changing, but things are changing, and I'm I am optimistic, especially when I look at younger generations.
1: I'm optimistic too. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, make sure to check us out on a gem of a secret Yes,
0: and
1: you know, um, be on the lookout because on March 31st, we're going to have a sober social at the Queen's Head, Portland. Um, that starts sometime after 6 p.m. It's yep. going to be a full sober evening. So whenever you get there, it's going to be sober. And the drag show later in the day is also going to be a full sober drag show as well. Um, and so come out, come meet us. It's going to be like our little meet and greet with um, all of you, our listeners, to yeah. come yell at us or come say hi to us or come compliment us or come talk to us and get to know us a little bit better. See what our faces actually look like. Actually, we if you've been on our website, you know what our faces look like. But yes. Um, yeah it'll be so nice to be able to chat with each and every single one of you yes it will catch you next week bye bye